everybody. Welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson. I am your host. And today I have a special guest, Chris Robinson, who, full disclosure, is my father, (laughs) but is also a licensed professional counselor in Flower Mound, Texas. He has his own private practice, Summit Counseling. And he is also an author and has written a book called Come On Man that you can get on Amazon or you can go to summitcounseling.info to get his book. But the reason that I have him on our show today is we are talking about vulnerability and who better to talk about vulnerability with me than a therapist. So welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You specialize in counseling for men. Of course, you do counseling across the board for kids, teens, families, couples, but your passion is really helping men. So can you tell me a little bit about your book and where you address vulnerability specifically for men and why? Yeah, well, the book is about all of the challenges that are faced by men. That is the subtitle, Taking on the Challenges Faced by Men. And it deals with everything that we learn about ourselves societally and culturally, as well as the things that we need to unlearn. Uh, And starting with values, uh, core beliefs, life balance, and the things that we fear. The chapter on fear uh, covers vulnerability, but I actually speak to vulnerability throughout the book because it is that fear of being vulnerable that affects our ability to change, that affects our ability to communicate better and to grow deeper into relationships. The fear of vulnerability can be a blockade to many of the things that men deal with not wanting to share problems because we'll be judged, we'll be seen as weak, when in fact, as human beings, we all share the same problems. We all have some of the same fears. And when we can get to the point where we can share those appropriately with the right people, then we can grow. Then we can uh, feel more at peace with ourselves. Yeah. The reason that we're talking about vulnerability is it really is the gateway to relationship and connection. And what I want to understand from you, because vulnerability is something that's really difficult for me. Uh, For anyone who's familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Vulnerability does not come naturally to me. And sometimes I think I'm being vulnerable when I'm actually not (laughs) and I'm still hiding. So I want to know from you as a counselor, not necessarily the dictionary definition, how do you define vulnerability? Well, I think what we have to understand is that vulnerability has to do with fear right? Vulnerability has to do with the fear of being harmed in some way, and that harm could come through judgment. That harm could come through um, physicality. And so vulnerability, I would say, is really about the fear of doing or saying something that could result 
in harm to you, whether that harm is emotional or physical. And so it's really important that we understand, I think, that there are uh, healthy ways of being vulnerable, and then there are also unhealthy ways of being vulnerable. Uh, the, the main thing to consider is what it is that we're trying to say or do, who it is that we're saying or doing it with, and are we safe in that environment, or do we perceive uh, any type of a threat? Mm. Well, and that's where I start to struggle at the very first question. If vulnerability is all about fear and wanting to protect yourself, why ever be vulnerable? Shouldn't I, I protect myself? Well, you know, it has to do with growth. Because, yes, we want to protect ourselves, but we can protect ourselves to the degree of isolating ourselves. And that is where uh, we start to affect the ability to be in relationship and have connection with people. And so I think a healthy degree of vulnerability is good for us. It also means that we're going to be uncomfortable at times, but being uncomfortable is what we need to do to grow. Um, if we just stay in our comfort zone all of the time, we're not going to experience change. We're not going to experience growth. Uh, we're not going to experience the depth of relationship that we could potentially experience if we're willing to be vulnerable. Hmm. So my next question, because I feel like vulnerability has kind of become a buzzword in our culture. I think Brene Brown has poured a lot into that and people yeah, love her. Great, great information. Yeah, she's amazing. And I feel like she really opened up this whole conversation about vulnerability across the U.S. and across the world. But I think sometimes we get hung up on the word. So can you just tell me what is vulnerability not? Uh, vulnerability is not weakness. And I think that we have a tendency to look at it that way. And I think men more so than women uh, look at vulnerability as equivalent to weakness uh, because we view challenges, issues, things that can be fearful to us as things that we need to overcome. And we need to do that ourselves. Well, I, I'm going to share a little bit and then I'm going to ask you to share too and get a little personal. So for me, if we're talking about fear and vulnerability, if I'm being honest with myself, when I, the reason I don't want to be vulnerable is number one, a fear of rejection of I'm going to share something with you and you're going to react with judgment mm -hmm. or you're not going to react with love and kindness. And then the second thing for me is fear of betrayal, of somehow you're going to use this information against me in the future. Or now you know my greatest fears, my greatest insecurities, and you're going to take advantage of me in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as a result of that, <clears throat> I'm not a very vulnerable person. There are a handful of people, my family, and I have two friends that I am willing to share just about anything with, but everyone else, there is a giant wall. And I don't know if 
I'm mad about that or if I shouldn't do that, maybe a counselor would say, "Mm, maybe open up a little bit more. I'm really happy with just having the few people that I can be vulnerable with, um, which we can talk about in a little bit. But I want to hear from you if do you have a fear of vulnerability and what are your fears rooted in? Cause mine are rejection and betrayal. Are yours different? Well, I think that we all share in that rejection because that's really what this issue of vulnerability is, is a fear of rejection, right? That if we're going to be judged or if we're going to be, uh, you know, somehow physically affected, that's a rejection. You know, you think back to the first time that you fell in love and before the other person had said these words to you, you wanted to tell them, I love you. Oh, man, I'm never the first to say I love you. Vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. That is a scary, scary statement to make yeah. to somebody for the first time if you don't know that they feel the same way because of that fear of rejection. So that is a really intense vulnerable moment where I'm putting my emotions out on the table here and I don't know if you're going to wipe that table off or if you're going to embrace me with what I've just said. So that's an example of being vulnerable and fearing that rejection. Uh, And then, you know, naturally the, the betrayal is that, okay, once I've done that and once we have grown into our relationship, um, you know, being, being fearful about sharing too much because you might be betrayed. And it could, that, can, that can occur within a friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've ever confided in somebody with some information that you're not going to tell anybody else about and you find out that that person then told somebody else, that's a huge betrayal. And so now what we have to do is we have to look at our boundaries Right, because the relationship that you had with that person who betrayed you most likely is not going to be the same from that point forward because you've had to reset your boundaries. Uh, for, for me personally, uh, my example of, of vulnerability uh, was uh, the publishing of this book. Yeah. Um, you know, writing the book was not an issue because writing the book was private, it was all, you know, a Word document that was in one of my files that nobody else would ever see. But when I made the decision to make this book public, then I had this fear of rejection, right? Because I say things in here about myself, about my own addictions, that um, quite honestly, I didn't know how you would receive them. I didn't know how Stephanie would receive them. Uh, I had spoken to, to your mom about them, and she was extremely gracious uh, with them. But there was a real fear on my part once I had made that decision that this is a book that needs to be published and go out to other men that I first had to allow you all to read it and give me your thoughts was that scarier than putting it out to the world? Yes. Just putting it out to us? Yes. Huh. Once I had put it out to you, because you're the people that I love the most, mm-hmm. right? The, the people who are out there in the world who, who will read this, I don't know. So if they judge me, I don't care. 
but the people that I love the most to be judged and rejected by them was a huge fear for me. And so to ask you all to read the book, edit the book, give me your thoughts on it was, uh, that was pretty scary. See, I feel like for me, it would be just the opposite of once you're in my inner circle, you're in. And I cannot imagine any scenario in which I would fear rejection and judgment from my family or from my two friends. But putting something out to the world, to me, that's where the real vulnerability comes in because I'm letting people in that I wouldn't let in. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that I would feel the complete opposite. So I would write a book just for the seven people in my life and be like, no, I'm never going to publish it. This is just for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it has to do with personalities. Yeah. Um, And and the way we... uh, the way we relate to people and and uh, where our values lie. Mm. Well, so you talked a little bit about um, vulnerability being at the core of growth in relationship. Can you say a little bit more about why vulnerability matters in relationship and not just romantically, but friendships? Yeah. Like, and where's... Where's the line? Because one of the things that I was thinking, you said vulnerability is not weakness. My thought is vulnerability is not oversharing. That's not the same thing. Sharing everything about yourself to somebody is not the same as vulnerability. So why does vulnerability matter in your personal relationships And what about your professional relationships? What level of vulnerability should be expected in the workplace? Or should that just be a hard stop? Well, I think there are obviously different forms of being vulnerable. And there are different uh, environments within which you should be vulnerable. And to what degree, right? I think in the professional environment... Uh, your boundaries need to be a lot harder, right? Because it is about the profession. It is about having a job to do. It is not, as they say, personal, right? And so the relationships that you develop in that professional environment are expected to be professional. And therefore, you are going to be less vulnerable with yourself personally in that environment than you would in a relationship with family or friends. And I think that the uh, it's not to say that there is not a point at which you should be vulnerable in work. I think that an example of being vulnerable in work is when uh, something goes wrong and it's my fault. I need to be vulnerable. I might not want to say that to anybody. Nobody might know it, right? And I might be afraid that, well, shoot, I'm going to get judged or I'm going to get fired or whatever it might be. Or they be. won't trust me with the next project. Right, right, yeah. right. But I think that uh, to a degree, integrity comes into the picture at that point, that I've got to have enough integrity to be vulnerable to say, I own this mistake. This is mine. And let's figure out uh, you know, how we, how we work together uh, to get out of it, how we don't repeat it. I think that's healthy. Now, when you go, uh, you know, sharing with a coworker uh, the things that are going on in your personal life, 
that that coworker can do nothing about, um, then you're getting into uh, an area that's a little bit thinner ice. But I think the idea behind this is that vulnerability can create trust, right? If I was willing to go to somebody and admit a mistake, they're going to trust me more because they're going to recognize that I'm an honest person in that professional environment. In the personal environment, if I share with some with someone a very personal piece of information or a personal part of me, then I think that relationship deepens because they know that I trusted them enough to share that information with them. And if they keep that information in confidence and they are supportive toward me and they don't turn to judgment on me, then I'm going to build trust in them. And so trust is increased in the relationship and therefore the relationship deepens. Um, because the, the unfortunate part about building trust with somebody is that you cannot build trust without first being vulnerable. When I think about vulnerability being such a huge topic of conversation right now, I think a lot of it is because we weren't intentional about it growing up. It's not necessarily something that came in the parenting handbook, like Dr. Spock did not write about teaching your kids to be vulnerable. Um, and I think that as a result, a lot of us struggle with it as adults. But again, there's no blueprint for how you teach your kids about vulnerability. So we have a lot of listeners who are parents of young children. What advice would you give to them about teaching vulnerability to your children? Well, it's interesting because what we teach our children these days is what not to do, what information not to put out there, right? And, and it's appropriate that we do that for their safety. I think that a good way to look at vulnerability with a child goes to something very simple, like saying, I'm sorry. Mm. Okay. And, and it goes back to that professional environment where we say, okay, something was my fault. I'm going to show integrity. I'm going to go say it. And then we go correct it. So we take this down to a, a, you know, three, four year old level of, you know, children, playing with toys and, and not doing it well or, you know, starting to take away from each other or hit each other, then I think the parents need to step in and say, okay, this is not how we do things. You need to go apologize. Well, the child doesn't want to do that because the child feels they were right. They feel they're going to be embarrassed by doing it, but it's important for them to learn to say, I'm sorry. And that's kind of like a first small step to teaching vulnerability. Well, initially when you said saying I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking about teaching your child to say I'm sorry. I was thinking a parent needs to learn to apologize to their child well, when it's appropriate. It. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I've had uh, so many conversations and you don't realize how big of an impact it has on you with people who have said, my parents have never apologized to me for anything. And there are so many issues around it of like, 
they knew, like looking back on a situation, my friend will say something like they knew they were in the wrong. And what they do is instead of saying they're sorry, they just start treating me nicer. Or they just like cook me dinner that night. And I know that's their form of apology, but you never actually hear the parent say, I'm sorry to the child. How can parents learn to apologize to their children when it's appropriate to do so? Because I feel like a lot of parents, I'm not a parent, so of course I don't know what I'm talking about. But I would imagine that as a parent, when you apologize to your child, there's the fear of, okay, they're not going to see me as the authority anymore because I'm admitting that I made a mistake. Okay, so if I apologize... I'm showing weakness. Right. Vulnerability. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that a lot of that has to do with the way that we're brought up because we are going to model to our children what was modeled to us. And if uh, part of the modeling that we received is, you know, not to apologize or not to express yourself uh, emotionally in an appropriate way, then it's going to be very difficult for us to do that. And it's going to take a lot of work and willingness, right? Because if we're going to be vulnerable, intentionally vulnerable, so that we can improve relationship or teach our children well, we've got to be very intentional about that. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by default. Our default setting may be... Protect yourself. To just protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So where is the line with vulnerability in children? Where, Because you talked about boundaries earlier. What are the boundaries that you have to put in place? Because I don't think anyone would agree that it's healthy for a parent to share absolutely everything with a child uh, because we want to protect their innocence. We want to speak to them about things at age-appropriate times. How do you put those boundaries in place, and when is vulnerability going too far? Well, for a parent speaking with a child, uh, we really kind of have to look at where the child is in their development. What are they ready to understand, and what's really going to matter to them? Um, Brain development (laughs) is a really interesting thing to study in children, and I think that as parents, what happens a lot of times is that we expect a child to be further along in their brain development than they actually are at their age. And so we have a tendency to uh, overshare or overexpect out of them. And what we need to do is understand that... um, They are not just many adults. (laughs) No, they are not many adults at all. They are not many adults at all. You know, when when a three-year-old wants a cookie and they don't get a cookie, well, that for them is a world crisis, you know. Um, They know what they want, and they have uh, natural means and responses to get things that is just part of our survival instinct. And so I think that as parents, we need to understand that children's brains are different, that they are not prepared to hear all of our problems, nor do they need to hear all of our problems. I think that we always have to ask ourselves, what is my reason for sharing this? And what benefit is it going to give to my child? And if we don't really know what the reason is for sharing it, maybe it's because I just feel like I need to say it. Well, that's more about me than it is my child, right? 
And I think we always have to put the children first and say, how are they going to grow from this? How are they going to benefit from this? And are they at the age where they should hear this, where it will concern them? You know, a three-year-old doesn't need to hear about uh, dating experiences. We've had this big conversation about vulnerability that we will continue, but I want to hear your opinion on why you think vulnerability has become such a hot topic in today's culture. Because it really is, it feels like, um, you know, the Today Show does segments on vulnerability. There's all of these uh, advertisements like I've never seen before for therapy and counseling. All of these things. Why now? Why do you think that this is happening? I think that the stressors that surround us have increased and are at a level that we've never seen before in history. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it comes at it at us harder and faster through technology, and it becomes more than we can deal with. And so what we see is more people experiencing the feeling of being overwhelmed and they don't know what to do with that and unless they are willing to talk with somebody about it to process and to work their way through whatever it is that they're feeling stress over whatever it is that they're feeling anxiety over that they are just going to go deeper down that rabbit hole and so the need for vulnerability, to be willing to speak to a friend, to be willing to speak to a counselor, uh, to be willing to have an appropriate discussion with somebody who can be trusted is really important because when we talk about our problems, it is verbally processing in our own mind what is happening with us, and we have a natural means of achieving a better level of regulation when we're able to do so. You know, you use the word overwhelmed, which is a feeling I'm very familiar with. Um, and I put myself down for it because I don't have kids. I'm not married. I'm like, what do I have to be overwhelmed about? I basically like, yes, I'm a homeowner, but I go to work and I go home and I you know, a lot of people would look at my life and be like, oh, you don't have a care in the world. But I am feeling constantly overwhelmed by the workload at work, by everything going on with my house, by uh, relationships that aren't even mine. It's like my my friends are struggling with their relationships and they talk to me about it. And then I feel like I take on their struggle a little bit. And I just feel like, and watching the news, I just feel like I'm carrying a lot. But I've always told myself, you're just being a baby. Like everyone else is handling way more than you are. Why are you feeling overwhelmed, Alyssa? You don't even have that much going on. Yeah. So it's starting out with comparison, right? And I think comparison really is not a healthy thing for us as individuals because we are not dealing with the same things other people are dealing with. We are not in the same circumstances. We have uh, different social pressures, different financial pressures, uh, different um, pressures of, of family. So I, I think that you know when we start to compare 
our problems or our stresses with others and saying, oh, well, why should I be overwhelmed? That that's really not fair to ourselves because the things in our lives matter. The things that are happening to us matter. The workload, the deadlines, the house payment, repairs, what we see through social media about politics, about religion, about uh, governmental actions, about wars. These are all things that now are only a click away for us. And unfortunately, some of these things we can't seem to turn our heads from. Once we click on it, we stick on it. And when we do that, it builds and builds and builds, right? And it becomes a snowball that consists of all of these areas of our life that just feel bigger and bigger and bigger, and we are overwhelmed. And that is something I think that we need to identify and recognize about ourselves and not compare to others and say, I shouldn't feel this way because the fact of the matter is I do feel this way. And if I do feel this way, then I want to do something about that. So where does vulnerability come into play for all of that? The willingness to say to somebody, I am overwhelmed. That's it? Here is what's happening in my life. This is what is overwhelming me. This is what's going on in my life. Can I talk to you about it? And I think that as we talk about those things, then we can start to recognize that, all right, maybe some of these things we're giving too much weight. Maybe some of these things we need to just stop doing, like watching the news, like clicking on, uh, you know, certain, certain websites or certain social media sites. Uh, there may even be people that, uh, God forbid, we need to unfriend or unfollow, right, because of the things that we see on their posts that are stressful to us and add to that feeling of being overwhelmed by conflict. And so, yeah, I think it's important to talk to people so that we can recognize and maybe have wise friends, understanding people who are non-judgmental, who might say, hey, have you considered trying this? And sometimes it's just hearing your own voice say the words that helps you to understand what it is that you need to do. How do you know that you are in a safe space to be vulnerable? Well, that's the trick, is you don't, right? Well, you then don't. Until, <laughs> I need until, a guarantee. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so guarantee <laughs> that you will be safe in every comment or every action that you take. It doesn't happen, right? You, you find out that you're safe being vulnerable by first being vulnerable and figuring out if you were safe. That that's, sounds horrible. That's the, that's the hard part of it. <laughs> that's the hard part of it, right? If I have a fear of performing, right, and that fear is, is going to be based on rejection or judgment, 
I don't know if I can have the courage to overcome that until I go do it, right? Otherwise, I'll always feel vulnerable in doing that. And sometimes you continue to feel vulnerable because if you, if you speak to actors or singers who go on stage to perform, they'll tell you, I always have butterflies. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's a new performance. It's a new audience. It's a new day, right? And so there are things different about this time than last time. But when we recognize that we've done this before, we build more confidence. We build more trust in ourselves. What are some of the positive and negative consequences of being vulnerable? Because if we don't know we're in a safe space, you said we got to say it and then we'll figure out if it was safe or not. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes we learn that was not safe. So let's talk about that negative consequence first is that I make myself vulnerable to somebody and I am either rejected or betrayed by them. What I recognize is that there is a new boundary that I need to set, that with that person, I cannot share this type of information, right? Well, but let me push back on that a little bit, because what if the negative consequence, I'm sharing something vulnerable with somebody that involves them. The negative consequence is now I'm in conflict. They did not react well. It's not necessarily a rejection, but now the relationship is suffering. And if it's my partner or somebody that the, walking away and setting that boundary is not an option, how do I deal with that? Like, how do I deal with conflict that arises out of my need to be vulnerable? Yeah. Okay. Um, communication, right? Communication what we communicate and how we communicate when we communicate is huge. So there's a full chapter dedicated to communication on how to verbalize, how to share feelings effectively, how to listen effectively, how to be open in communication and recognizing when a conversation is crucial and recognizing your own physical symptoms, right? Because when we start to feel unsafe or threatened or vulnerable within a conversation, we know it. Yep, because I start formulating the rebuttal as they're talking. Well, you're formulating the rebuttal. You may be getting angry. You may feel your own uh, blood pressure uh, going up. You may feel sweaty palms. You may uh, feel agitation, uh, pacing, or, or tapping. Uh, these are all signals that, okay, I feel unsafe in this environment. And so the appropriate thing to do here is call a timeout and not avoid the discussion, but to come back to it. Take 10, 15 minutes, calm down, get regulated, come back together. But both people involved in that conversation need to understand effective communication and how to work through differences, how to work through conflict, so that at the end of the conversation, you can say, yeah, I was vulnerable. That was not easy, but we made it through it. And therefore, there's a level of trust that is now 
being built that we can do this, that I can have these types of conversations and that we will talk through it. It doesn't guarantee that emotions aren't going to come into play because when we're talking about something important, emotions are going to be there. They'll be present. And so what we have to do is learn to recognize those emotions and deal with them so that we can be successful in having the conversations and being vulnerable. So what are some of the positive consequences that come out of vulnerability? So the positive, com- or, or the positive consequences are that we, we build relationship, we develop relationship, we build trust with other people. And I'll use, uh, I'll use Alcoholics Anonymous as an example of this. A person is told they need to go to an AA meeting. The last thing they want to do is go to that meeting because going into that meeting is going to require vulnerability. And they may remain silent in that first meeting other than to share who they are. And that silence is accepted by the group so that the person can feel safe in their vulnerability, knowing that they are not going to be forced, that are not going to be pressed, they're not going to be cajoled into doing something, right? Simply inviting them to come back. And when they come back and they start to recognize that I have something in common with these people and that this is a safer environment for me to share in, that then they start to be willing to open up only because other people have been vulnerable with them. So they knew that they were being trusted already, and it enabled them to be trusting of others. And when that's happening, we are strengthening each other. You know, and they have a sponsor that they, uh, that they are assigned, and that sponsor makes them feel safe and speaks with them in a way that they can understand, and there's a bond that develops there, right? And then you look at somebody who has successfully gone through the 12 steps of an AA program and is now ready to sponsor somebody else. What you have is a cyclical relationship that's being built person after person, right? So bonds are strengthened, relationships are built, and it becomes something that I'll refer to as generational. Hmm. Is there anything like AA that's just for life of like life anonymous <laughs> of, because I I have sat in on as a part of Serenity Church I've sat in on a few of their meetings and John Featherston is the leader of Serenity Church and has said you know anyone who feels like there there's something they can't overcome on their own is welcome here which should mean everybody there's Mm -hmm. something you can't overcome on your own but when I sit in on a meeting like that I feel like a phony because I'm not struggling with addiction of any kind but I just wish that there was a place that you could share openly with a group of people and there be no fear of judgment and I know like for a lot of people they want that to be the church (laughs) it doesn't turn out that way most of the time is there something that you know about that is, you know, a life anonymous 
group setting, I guess like group therapy would be well, something like that. But yeah, but it doesn't even have to be in therapy. You know, you, you talked about your inner circle uh, at the at the start of our talk, um, family and a couple of friends. Okay, well, that's a good life anonymous group. I mean, at church here, we call them life groups, people that you can share with, people that you can uh, share confidences with, right? Things are going to remain within that group. And that I think that is part of the effectiveness of, of the life groups. But when we find people, and I have the same uh, people in my life, uh, you know, my family and, and two men in particular uh, that I can share anything with, that I know I will not be judged um, I know I will not be ridiculed. I can share whatever is going on in my mind, even if it's that I feel like a phony. Even if I tell them I'm feeling like an imposter, they're going to say, okay, let's, let's talk about that. Why? And, and I think that, you know, as we are open and honest with people and we are willing to acknowledge our own feelings and not say, well, I shouldn't feel this way, um, the better off we're going to be, the more success we'll have and the more comfortable we'll feel in being vulnerable. So it's not that you're sitting in a circle of people at Serenity Church uh, and that you don't belong there. It's just you're dealing with something different than they're dealing with. And it's perfectly okay in that environment to say, I've got to be honest. I feel like a little bit of a phony sitting here in this circle because I don't share the same problems or the same issues that each of you share. Now then, the vulnerability is the willingness to say, here's what I'm dealing with. There might be people listening to this who are like, yeah, nodding along. I get it. I get it. I get it. Vulnerability sounds great, but it also sounds too big. Like the, the level that you're speaking to of getting to that point of being able to share openly without fear of judgment feels too big to me right now. How do I get started in vulnerability? What are some good like little steps for me to take without having to just like put it all out there? Or is that the point? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think the point is to put it all out there uh, because that can be unsafe, right? I think that if you need to, if you need to share something that you have been keeping to yourself, start with that inner circle, right? And do your sharing there. Now, there may be somebody that they refer you to they may say, hey, I have a friend that went through the exact same thing that you're going through. Would you mind if I introduce you to them? Can we go have coffee together? Okay, well, now you have somebody that you trust saying that there's another person that you can probably trust with this and who might actually be able to help you in dealing with something that you start to expand the circle. But you, you don't just open the floodgates of every issue of your life, I think what you want to try to do is identify the people who you can trust and who can help you with the things that you need help with. And those might be different people for different instances. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on this episode. And I just, for those listening, 
Uh, I want to tell y'all one more time. This is Chris Robinson, licensed professional counselor located here in Flower Mound, Texas. He has his own practice, Summit Counseling, and you can learn more about that at summitcounseling.info if you're interested in setting up an appointment. And he is also a published author of the book, Come On Man, Taking on the Challenges Faced by Men. And you can get that on Amazon or again at summitcounseling.info. But thanks so much for being a part of this and helping us start to navigate vulnerability. My pleasure. Thank you.